stay away and they don't, then okay, then this is what it's meant for them. People told me to stay away. People said no to me, but I'm here and now I'm finally doing finally doing my dream. It right. was not easy. And it, it, it's, it's not a business for people to get into because they think it's going to be fun. Right. It has to be. This has to be your calling. Right. Absolutely. This has to be what you're meant to do. You cannot do anything else. And I always said, even when I was uh, in high school, that I don't want to be an old man rocking in a rocking chair and saying, I did not try my hardest. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Hollywood Hustle Podcast, where we bring the stories and struggles of artists climbing the ladder of success and how they survived the city of dreams, Los Angeles. My name is Daniel. I am your host as always. Thank you so much for coming back or starting new with us. We truly appreciate it. I mean, can you believe we are at episode 33? Uh, We're so excited to bring this to you. it was, you know, this is probably the first episode that I can think of. Uh, Michael can probably correct me, but I think this is the first episode to come out very close to when we recorded it. We recorded this two weeks ago, I believe. Um, and so this is probably the closest to recording and release time that we've had. Usually we backlog all our episodes. So uh, this is kind of different for us. So it's really cool uh, to have this come out. Um, just a few things to kind of go through first. Uh we have so much stuff coming for you guys. Uh, I just wanted to kind of go over the schedule till the end of the year and what's coming up and what we're working on. Um, you know, we'll go into more details probably as in some of these f- future episodes, but uh, pretty much right now we have this episode series starting. Uh, so that'll be this next two weeks. Then we have an, then instead of doing our usual three series uh, team hustle episode due to scheduling and the way things are working out. Uh, we're going to do actually four episode series uh, in a row. So we'll start uh, this series this week with another one next week, uh, another episode for this series next week. And then we'll have another two episode series with a, with a guest. And then after that, we will be having a uh, Thanksgiving special uh, uh, episode. Me and Michael will record, sit down and just talk about Thanksgiving and what we're thankful for for the year. Uh, we're hoping to get some... Uh, uh, some other things in the episode, some special stuff as well. Uh, so we're hoping we are able to obtain that as uh, for you guys. Uh, but we're super excited about that. And then we're actually going to take a week off after that. We're the 28th. We're going to take off that week. Um, and then in December, we're going to actually do our first in a while two-part Team Hustle episode. Uh, we're going to do a kind of a year in review. And then we're also going to do a special kind of Christmas-themed episode. Um and so that'll be kind of our final season finale episode of the year. Uh, then we'll take off until January. We're going to let everybody have enjoy their holidays with their families. We're going to enjoy our families. Um, and then we'll be back in January with some really cool stuff. Uh, we're gonna, we have some really great interview series coming up that we're recording right now with some really great people, uh, a YouTuber, um, a community activist slash uh, director, uh, uh, some podcasters. Uh, we have a lot of great stuff in the books that we're going to be bringing you in 2018, and we uh, we can't wait. We can't wait to do it. Uh, recently, we did a contest, the Halloween Nunez contest, where uh, we were offering people who left us a review on our uh, podcast to be entered into a chance to win a special personal message from us. Uh, we will. Uh, 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 tweet out your hustle and talk about your hustle. We will put you on our uh, homepage of our website, and you also get a signed poster from Todd and Ashley Nunez. 
uh, with a poster of Death Ward 13, their new film that they're working on, uh, signed by both of them and signed by us as well. Um, so we have a winner of that contest. Um, on iTunes, uh, she is dancing underscore Kiwi underscore 89. Uh, I believe I know who this is. I'm not going to say it because I don't want to be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I know who this is. Uh, this is the review she left. I came across this podcast because of their first guest, Kurt Mega. Oh, yay, Kurt. From there, I became just as obsessed with this podcast as Kurt's Story Matters. Please check out Story Matters with Kurt Mega if you haven't checked it out. The hosts are incredibly nice people. I've interacted with them on multiple occasions on social media. I highly recommend listening to this podcast if you enjoy listening about people's journey to following their dreams, the good and the bad times. The resilience and perseverance of the hosts and the guests has pushed me through the struggles in my life. I personally identified with their episode about the struggles of moving to a new city. I could I could go on forever, but just do yourself a favor and listen. Thank you so much, Dancing Kiwi. Like I said, I'm pretty sure I knew who that is, but I'm not going to say it just in case I'm wrong. Um, but congratulations, you win. You are our winner. Uh, so send us an email at Hollywood Hustle Podcast with your address. Um, and an email address if it's not the one you send an email from that you want your personal message. And uh, send us a... Uh, yeah, just send us an email and we'll go on from there with everything else. But uh, congratulations. Thank you so much for your sweet review. That was so nice. Um, we do try to stay in contact with people on Twitter at LA Hustlecast. So please find us on there. We do some uh, 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 hustle chats. We do some MySpace quiz stuff. We have a lot of fun on there. Uh, Michael definitely is the champ of that. And we always try to you know have conversations and, and support other people's uh, uh, dreams and uh, pers- pursuits on there. So check it out. Congratulations. Dancing underscore Kiwi underscore 89. You are our Halloween Nunes contest winner. Congratulations. Um, so, yeah, uh, let's get on to the episode today. Today, we sit down with former guest of the show, Miss Ashley Mary Nunez's brother, Todd Nunez. Todd is a writer and a director. He has lived in LA for 20 years. He has directed such films as All Through the House, Scary Larry, uh, Two Brothers, and his current production of Death Ward 13. Uh, uh, All Through the House won several awards at the RIP Festival in Los Angeles, including the Audience Award and Best Slasher Picture. So they also, they won a ton of other awards after that, but those are the two that I wanted to point out. So definitely look that up. It's really great. Uh, we sat down with Todd at his home. He was kind enough to invite us to his Chamber of Horrors. <laughs> uh, we sat down with Todd. We discussed moving here 20 years ago, what he did to get in the right mindset here to pursue film how he pursued it we talked about writing we talked about directing we talked about being on set and and what it takes to be a director and build a crew out of nothing uh we talked about horror films what it means to him and what it means to the you know society we talked about so many things we talked about his relationship with his sisters and his, uh, his sister and his brothers and how him and his sister work together on set uh so many great things so please uh get under a blanket grab a flashlight uh, get ready for a scary story as you listen to the wonderful interview with Mr. Todd Nunes. Take it away, Daniel. Thank you, Michael and Daniel. Hey, welcome back. This is your host, Daniel Tuttle. I'm here today with a very special guest. I'm super excited to have him on. We've had his sister on already, Miss Ashley Mary Nunes. But now we have the director of Death Word 13, 
all through the house. Scary Larry. Here comes Santa. Two brothers. The list goes on and on. The horror enthusiast, the director, the writer, Mr. Todd Nunes. Wow, thank you for that introduction. You're welcome. I, I'm I, ready to go now. Let's <laughs> I, talk. I try to pump people up. I like <laughs> my dream is always to be a hype man for like a rap a rapper yeah. down the road, like just be on stage going, What? 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 You know, that kind of guy? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? I'm just really glad to have you here. Great. Thank you so much. We're happy to be here. Uh, you know, Mike, uh, Todd was nice enough to invite us to his apartment to record the interview. It is Halloweened up. Uh, there's Chucky. There's Jason. Love there's you. Jason Mass. There's Jigsaw. There's more Chuckies. There's Ghostface from Scream. I, I mean, you, you, you surround yourself. Now, is this all year? I'm just curious. <laughs> Well, you know, in my room, I do have a lot of my special Halloween okay. uh, trinkets up. So it kind of explodes out yeah, when Yeah, I've got Halloween. all the action figures. I collect all of them. But, you know, after a while, it's like you got to have sort of like a limit. Right. You know, it's like I'm having a hard time storing this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of keeps growing it, it does, and growing. It does. So I, I, don't, I don't usually I, – I didn't put out as much as I usually do. I decided just to be a little tamer, a little right. bit more adult. Do you still dress up for that. Halloween? Um, I, I don't. I haven't dressed up for Halloween in quite some time. Mm. I, I did do Jason not too long back. Okay. Just a spur of the moment now, type of thing. If you were going to go this year to, let's say you, you're invited to a party and you had to dress up. It was like you have to have yeah. a costume. Yeah. What 2017 cultural thing would you go as? I would go as Jamie from all through the house because oh. I've got that costume. <laughs> and the shears. <laughs> so you're already prepared. Yeah, I'm already prepared. And I've got Lido's, you know, look, walk and movements down. That's awesome. I've so. I've never been good at Halloween costumes because, like, I always, like, wait till last minute. And I'm not that I'm – a, I'm a creative person, but not in that sense. And, like, one year, I think last minute, uh, it was when we were in the recession. I went as Recession Superman. Uh, and I had like a red go. towel as my cape and a <laughs> Superman shirt, and I had a sign that said, uh, "We've saved you now. Uh, we've bailed you out now. Bell us out." Oh, uh, yeah, it was very <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but let's uh, let's start at the beginning. Uh, All right. You're you're from Vacaville, correct? Yeah, yeah, Vacaville, Benicia, mm-hmm. Bay Area. The Bay Area area, the Bay Area area. Uh, what was it like growing up there? Oh, you know, I I loved it growing up there because mm-hmm. nobody was really into what I was doing, so I was that kid. You know that horror kid, like, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I was always doing uh, my own little movies. I, I got a video camera. I was one of the, families didn't even have video cameras, and, and <laughs> I had a video camera. You were set. Yes, I was set, and I was doing Babysitter Massacre and uh, <laughs> Vacation in Hell. Every time we had a spring break, I would uh, or a uh, 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 weekend, I would get a bunch of friends together and find ways to kill them. You know, I read in an interview that you did, and I was you know I wanted to do some research to make sure I didn't ask a lot of the same questions, um, but I saw that you. You wrote your own play versions of uh, uh, Friday the 13th 1 and 2. Is that yes, correct? Yes, I did. I did. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah, in fact, it was the first play when I got to uh, high school and I saw the stage and the drama teacher took us to the light booth mm-hmm. and showed us all these reds and different kinds of spotlights. And my mind just started going. I got really, really excited. <laughs> I'll never forget that moment. And, and I really thought, you know, I'm going to do Friday the 13th. That's the first play I'm going to do. I think that, you know, people won't make fun of me for being in drama if I come out swinging with something like that. Right. And that's exactly what happened. And my, my drama teacher, bless his soul, was uh, did not want to censor me, was not into horror movies, mm-hmm. but he supported me. That's he awesome. He supported me in every single play that I did. Well, I told uh, Ashley this uh, when we interviewed her. My theater director's name was Jason Michael Kruger. Yeah. <laughs> 
and he was born before any of those movies oh, really, came out. Oh, really, really? Yeah. Well, that's a great name. <laughs> right, I was like, man, that must have been great when you were dating after those. Yeah. <laughs> What's your name? Jason Michael. Uh, well, thank you. It passed. <laughs> swipe, swipe left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when? what's your first memory of film like not just horror film but just film in general do you remember like maybe like when you you know just started really recognizing it yeah you know when i was a kid the the wizard of oz was like was huge to me Mm -hmm. um it only came on like once a year and that year that it came on i would just sit by the the clock and watch it tick right and just because it was such a movie that uh that moved me Mm-hmm. You know, not just because it was the singing and the dancing and all that, but there was this darkness to it as well mm-hmm. as this brightness. There was this counter going on, this good versus evil. It was so clear to me. Right. And I was so drawn to it mm-hmm. that it made sense that I would be into superheroes and horror <laughs> movies. And I, I really believe that it all started there with The Wizard of Oz. I, I mean, there's so many artistic expressions with the black and white yeah. in Kansas and then going into the color tones, uh, the music. And like you said, with The Wicked Witch. And the counterbalance between good witch and bad witch, yes. and things like that, where they also almost seem like sisters in a way. Yes. You know, yes. Um, what's your first is your first memory of the horror genre that well, you have? Well, yeah, my my mom kept me from mm. horror movies. You, you wouldn't. I mean, how dare so, she? I, I know. Can you, Mama Nunez? That? Well, she was like a lot of parents who were thinking that horror movies were bad mm. and they would scare you and. I was scared of the Wicked Witch, so ch- certainly I couldn't handle anything mm-hmm. tougher than that. But my cousins uh, had HBO, and they told me about this movie called Halloween, and we were going to sneak down late at night when everybody was asleep. Mm. We were going to watch this scary movie, and it sounded exciting, but I right. had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> like, completely blindsided. William Shatner mass-murdering people. <laughs> absolutely. It, it was the most terrifying thing that I had ever seen. I didn't even know how I made it through the third act of that movie mm. because I didn't know that she was going to survive. Right. You know, like we know today. I mean, this is an, an experience. Mm-hmm. that I'll never have again, you mm-hmm. know? So seeing Jamie Lee Curtis fighting for her life and trying to rescue those kids was absolutely the most terrifying thing I had ever seen, and I loved it, and I wanted more, and it was on. Man, I, I remember when I was a kid, I would I was always be able to rent a, a VHS tape. That's yeah. how old oh, I am. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I was able to, like, if I got, like, if I had a good week at school or, you know, whatever, I got to, at the end of the week, I would be able to rent a movie. And I was horrible about picking out movies, <laughs> like the worst. I would pick out the worst movies, probably, and I loved it. Like, my first horror movie that I remember was Warlock. Okay. That was the first movie. Yeah. yeah. And half go. the people were going, well, I don't know what that is. <laughs> you probably shouldn't know what it is. It's yeah. terrible. So I didn't get, like, the Halloweens and, like, the, the Friday, the th- you know, the Jasons and the... the um, uh, uh, Freddy Krueger's yeah. until like later in my life when people I started hearing from other people like these are the, the ones epitome watch. of yeah. horror film not Warlock and Witches Shine. of Eastwick yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those are not the horror films yeah. I did see Leprechaun in Space oh. uh, when I was a kid that yeah. see I, I was terrible man I was terrible picking out horror films um, so so you, you had friends do plays after school. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you, you got them to kind of follow you around like a horror film Pied Piper, um, who's also kind of a horror story in its own, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so did you, you wrote the script for Friday the 13th, right? For or, the stage? Yes. Play? Yes, I did, because immediately you know you can't do everything that's going on in the movie on stage. 
Mm-hmm. So you have to have it sort of take place in one location and sort of rewrite it a little bit mm-hmm. so that uh, it can all take place on the, the stage with different levels of right. uh, you know, rooms and things like that. What was your, you know, when you were developing it and starting to block it and put it together, what was like your favorite part? Of, of doing everybody, <laughs> yeah, I know that's weird, but I knew that that was going to be the thing that got people riled up. Right, and I was absolutely right. I mm-hmm. mean, if you with advertising that you're doing Friday the Thirteenth, the play at you know, in the, the beginning of the day on the intercom, mm-hmm. it is what everybody is talking about at school. What the hell is this? Right, they're doing. They're really doing Friday the Thirteenth, you know. <laughs> and the place was packed. Like right. it was standing. We, had, we couldn't get everybody well, I, in the I theater. I can imagine people would see it and be like, "I have to see this. Yes, like, I have to see how they're going to put this on a play." It was exactly like that, and they cheered <laughs> and they laughed at all the little lines that we didn't even think were that funny, mm-hmm. but were you know, oh, it's a little Chuck. They were just dying. Right, we had them. Right. And that's it was awesome. magical. That's fantastic. Um, you did part. No, you did part one, and then you did part two. Yes. Why did you have Have you thought about continuing the saga? I did. I actually wrote. Uh, I was really excited about doing a mesh of part uh, three and four, mm-hmm. and uh, then I, I decided that I needed to do some other things. Right. Like the drama teacher was telling me, "Well, you need to do something different, something different." So I was like, "Okay, I'll do Halloween." Right. You know, and he's like, "That's not what I meant by different." <laughs> <laughs> Fine, I'll do fr- I'll do a Nightmare on Elm Street. But I was already on it, you know. I'm doing something different. I'm doing Halloween, and and, and I, that was really fun because I divided the stage in half. So mm. we had we had one house over here, which was Lori's house, and we had Annie's house over there. That's awesome. And that's how I did I did the movie. So she ran from that part through the audience. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a door set up because I had to do the scene where she's banging on the door, right. yelling for Tommy. So so that was really fun. But, so you and then after of, that, I started writing my own. Right. So you you were kind of ahead of your time because now like stage parodies and and versions of like tv shows and movies are like the thing right now you know there's a game of thrones musical that just opened up off broadway that came from la that a friend of michael and i was involved in and so you know that's a huge thing going on right now so you're kind of ahead of your time in in that sense you know um so you did you how long did you stay did you stick with plays before you turned to the screen well, I was also doing at the same time. I was doing my own video movies, mm-hmm. which were my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in between that, I would do other plays. But what really was the change for me was the when I started creating my own horror plays. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because that was for a big audience. Right. You know, I would start these movies and all kinds of things would happen. And we would go off into all these different directions with it mm-hmm. because somebody couldn't be there one day. So we changed the story. You know, it was that right. kind of thing. And you have an evil Santa and, in yeah, one of those, correct? And that was, yeah, yeah. That was where I first came uh, to the evil Santa mm-hmm. um, a horror play, which caused a lot of controversy. <laughs> but sure. I, I learned a lot, though, in school about how important controversy was because I had done all these horror plays. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the same thing it was when I first started doing them. Right. And I had to find ways to get people excited mm-hmm. about what I was doing now because it didn't feature Jason mm-hmm. or Michael Myers. Somebody well-known. Yeah. It was my own my own guy. So right. I'm like, well, how am I going to get people excited about this mm-hmm. one? So I, I think one of the things that always gets me when it comes to uh, horror films is the, you know, especially like Scream and, you know, the slasher type picks is the uh, intriguing ways that people die in those Absolutely, movies. Yeah. You know, how hard for you was it to think of like, especially for plays, like the different ways to kill people that were your own original um, ideas? Well, a lot of it had to do, especially when you're talking about doing the plays, you have to realize that you don't have the same freedom you do with a camera. Mm-hmm. There's one direction that everybody 
he's looking. A little to the left and a little to the right and straight on. Yep. So everything that we created had to fit in that mm-hmm. uh, perspective. Right. So we were sort of, our hands were a little tied by things like that, but then we would come up with different ways, ideas to, to make things really violent. Right. And then we would even do things with blood, but then the blood we knew we had to keep towards the end mm-hmm. because we couldn't be on stage slipping on blood. Right. Now, I, I, just for my own thought, are you when you did your J, the Friday the 13th, did you have Jason walk in the audience at all? Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. I was like, Absolutely. you have to. I feel like Absolutely. that's the necessary for that, yeah, that kind had, of play. We had a couple of different things that we did with Jason and jumping mm-hmm. off the stage at people right. and, and things like that. In fact, it was my little brother who was sitting in the front row. I didn't even realize right. it. Have you and thought? Have you thought about doing kind of like a uh, midnight type play thing, almost very similar, like a Rocky Horror thing in L.A. Maybe getting some actors together to do you like know, a Friday the Thirteenth play. I, I did, but I actually the play that I, I wanted to do, and of course, learning everything that I learned is that I wanted I wanted to do The Shining, mm. and I thought that The Shining would make a really great stage play because one of the best stage plays I did and again going back to the controversy and I could never ever ever do it today Mm -hmm. was that you're going to hear this here first but I did do Rage Stephen King's short story Rage on stage at my school and it it was uh, it was uh, (laughs) yeah it was bad it ended up being bad let me tell you you heard it here first, folks. Yeah, yeah. I and last. And I first, almost, yeah. first and last performance of yeah. Rage. Yeah, we were. Everyone that was in that play was threatened with being flunked. Oh wow. Yeah, we. It, it caused a. It caused more controversy than I had anticipated. Even though I had rewritten some things and changed some things about right. the play. Right. Yeah, it caused. It, it was. Yeah. I, I I usually like to tap dance around the line, right? And I kind of that's when I I stepped over. Did you ever get any like legal pushback from any of the creators of these? Did you get any notices? I, or I didn't do that, but when I got out of uh, high school and mm-hmm. I started doing other plays, bigger plays, and we were playing in theaters, and right. I, I did do a Batman play. Mm. Um, and it was called Batman the Play, and it was just flashy and lights and music, and it was just mm-hmm. so much fun, and mm-hmm. and we did really really well. But I knew from the beginning that you know that these characters are very protective. Warner Brothers very protective over them. Right. I didn't know if they would find us or anything like that, but apparently they did. Mm. But then they backed away when they saw that all proceeds were being donated to the severely handicapped children's oh, okay. school. That's nice. Everest Elementary. That's a great little thing to put in there just yeah. to kind of make it sure like all, you know, pro- it's not going to be profitable for you. Yeah, and that's not why we did it. We knew that we knew that we, we couldn't just claim it mm-hmm. and then take money for something that really wasn't ours. Right. But we wanted to do this play. Mm-hmm. We wanted to do it for the fun of doing it, for the experience of doing it. Right. So we thought, well, let's let's make it a fundraiser. Nice. That's fantastic. And so we were able to give kids uh, a lot of things that they couldn't get otherwise. We, uh, especially the kids whose parents couldn't afford mm-hmm. certain uh, uh, things to help them walk. We got pictures mm-hmm. of kids who were who were walking with, right. with things that they bought from the money from this play. Right. So it was it was probably one of the best experiences. That's fantastic. Um, the reason I asked, a friend of Michael's did a play version of Clerks. Okay. And he actually got a cease and desist like a few days before they opened, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Kevin Smith and his team just would not let this show go on. Yeah. And I, then, I, yeah. And then apparently at a Comic-Con when, you know, people can go up and ask questions, somebody yeah. asked him why he did that and why he, like, kept them from doing the show. And I think he was like, well, you know, I, put, I spent a lot of time on it. And if you want somebody to steal your money from your pocket, something like that, right? Yeah, it was not. So that's why I asked. Cause I was yeah, just yeah. curious how that, how the legal part of that worked out. Um, so let's talk about moving. When did you decide to? How old were you when you decided to move to Los Angeles? 
Oh, uh, you know, I, I just, it was always like, that was always in the back of your mind if you wanted to be an actor, which is mm -hmm. what I thought I wanted to be at mm -hmm. first, because I didn't know about these jobs of director, the writers. I didn't, I didn't, that's not what I saw. I saw what I saw, which was the acting, and right. I wanted to be a part of that. But as I was going for, through school and writing my own plays and doing my own stuff, I was writing characters for myself that I, uh, that I wanted to play. Mm. And um, I'm so jealous that you can do that. <laughs> I'm so bad about writing for myself. I'm, I'm, I can, I just can't. I don't know why, but I just never see myself play a part. You know what? I, I couldn't do it today. Mm. I mean, as soon as I started getting into the writing and the directing, and I realized that that's really what I wanted to do. I didn't want to have to stop and then get up on stage and start doing it. No, I wanted. I still wanted to be there mm -hmm. in the audience, watching it, right. and tweaking it, and, and, and trying to get the best performance I, I could out of it. Right. Absolutely. So it, it really began to evolve into no. I I, I want to direct. I mm -hmm. want to write. I want to create the experience. Right. 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 So so when when you decided to move to L.A., um, what was the time between I'm moving to L.A. to Hey, I'm here in L.A. What was the time span? Uh, well, it was a big time span. Big, there was a okay. lot of things that happened in between the time of getting here and getting settled in right. and coming to terms with Hollywood. Right. You know, it's like we're at school. I was Steven Spielberg. Mm -hmm. I was every, I was the guy. I got voted, you know, the best and I got you know, all that. <laughs> and then you come here and nobody cares about you. Yep. Nobody knows who you are. I don't have a famous relative or somebody mm -hmm. in the industry that's going to help. You know, mm -hmm. push me through, which is, you know, 95% of the jobs go to those guys. And mm -hmm. then the rest of us are all Lucky. scraping for the 5% that's <laughs> yeah. on the floor. You know? Absolutely. How did you prepare to move to L.A.? What Did you do a lot of jobs? Like, how did you save money? How did you? Um, I, I believe I saved up a little bit of money. Uh, a girlfriend of mine that I was dating at the time, she was going to UCLA. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go to UCLA and, and do screenwriting classes. She got accepted, and so it was. That was it. It was like that was going to happen. She was going to move, so I was going to do it too. Right. So you moved with her. Bit, well, I, I, we didn't move together, okay. but we moved at the same time. Gotcha. Um, what do you feel that was, that helped your move, knowing that you knew somebody here? Absolutely. Already. Absolutely, it does. It helps to have somebody to cry to and complain to and, <laughs> and talk about. This is awful here. <laughs> so, especially someone that did she want to be an actress. Was she in she that world? Wanted to be an actress. Yes. And so, so you had somebody kind of in that world that you yes. guys understood absolutely together the, the the hardships of it. Absolutely, and we were into all the same things and the superheroes and and uh, you know horror movies, all that, and and also we were we were realizing. The hardship of Hollywood, right? Together, <laughs> what? There's hardship living yes. in Hollywood. I, yes. I would never know that. Yeah. Um, what would you say were the biggest differences you noticed right off the bat between the Bay Area, Vacaville area, and LA? Uh, that that there, people always wanted to hear what you had to say, and people mm -hmm. were interested. When you had a story, when you can capture somebody's attention, they wanted to hear it. People want a good story, mm -hmm. but here, stories are everywhere. Mm. And nobody wants to hear your story because they always they know what the next question's going to be. Mm. You know, now will you make my story? <laughs> <laughs> now do you have money? You know, so people try to, I don't want to hear about your story. Yeah, I totally understand that. Um, if you could go back to how long have you been lived in L.A. now? Oh, I've, I've lived in L.A. It's been almost 20 years. Wow. OK. Yeah. All right. So let's say you yourself now could go back 20 years to you right before like the day before you moved to L.A. Yeah. What would you tell your what advice would you give yourself? I would I would tell myself to keep doing what I had been doing. Mm. 
okay, what happened was that I thought that there was supposed to be a different way once I got here. Right. When in reality, a lot of people today are doing exactly what I was doing all along, only I didn't have YouTube. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have the ability to distribute a film. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have the kinds of cameras that are available now. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's what I was doing. And if I had just... D stuck with that because that's when I got on the map was when I, I reevaluated my life and my situation and I just decided you know what I'm gonna do what I had always should have been doing right absolutely do, do what you feel you were made to do yes um, so you moved here what's the first thing you did when you moved here like what was the first thing to really get yourself going towards your goals uh, I started taking classes mm -hmm. was at the UCLA extension program which uh, which I looking back at the you know going into that class for the first time I was almost I was I was traumatized mm -hmm. because I was so nervous and I was so scared that I was suddenly around all these people who wanted to be screenwriters and I was the <laughs> only person in my world who even knew what screenwriting was right so it was very intimidating mm -hmm. but then once we started getting our stories out there and I realized well you know what I'm have sort of an edge over some of these people right and i and that sort of uh built my confidence up that i'm going to keep learning and i'm going to keep working at this mm -hmm. okay um how did you support yourself when you moved out here uh i worked at a tanning salon yeah <laughs> how was that, that? Was, it was right down the street so it was like you have a job hiring so i'm like <laughs> okay well let me see and that was great because it actually gave me time to study and to write I wrote mm -hmm. all the time. I mean, mm -hmm. I'd come in, click, somebody would go out, and I'd click, and, mm -hmm. and then that was it. And between that, I was, I was writing, mm -hmm. studying, That's fantastic. reading. So it worked out for me very well. Very nice. Uh, where did you live? Did you live in this area, the West Hollywood I, I area? I lived in Hollywood. Oh, you lived in – okay. Where, where at around Hollywood? Um, it was uh, the Ojai Apartments uh, right off Hollywood Boulevard. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, how, was, how, was, was, how was it living in Hollywood? Um. You know, it's a little intimidating because you come, especially when I lived here, Hollywood Boulevard was not like it was today. Mm -hmm. It was not glamorous. It yeah. was, there was no glamour. I don't, I don't think there still is that much glamour. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, more than there was. Probably. I mean, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's changed over the years for sure. Yeah. So it, it was mainly, you know, just about uh, a learning at that point when I came here. Right, absolutely. So I'm <laughs> cheesing for the camera a little yeah. bit. Um, People are posting questions, so I want to make sure Oh, oh great. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for asking questions. <laughs> um, so, you know, so you started, you, got, you had a job, you started, you know, you were writing all the time. You know, what was, what did you do to start making films? What did you do to get, to get going creating content? Well, it was all about, at that point, it was all about writing mm -hmm. more than it was directing. It okay. Was screenwriting. Again, I was, I was trying to find my, I knew I was not going to want to be an actor. So I thought, well, maybe it's, the, it's screenwriting. Right. It's writing. And so trying to write, to learn how to write, to learn everything and all the ins and outs and, and how to sell and mm -hmm. uh, character development, all these really intricate things. Mm -hmm. um, you, it did take some while. It, 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 it took some time to, for me to feel like I had something that I wanted, that I would feel confident in showing people right here. Nice. So you, so you kind of just started, you wanted to just build up a, a portfolio of yes. scripts and, and, yes. and things so that if the time came, you would have yes. that in hand. And I think that's an important thing for people to know is like, you know, you may have that great one idea, but they're going to want those great three ideas yeah. when someone talks to you. Yeah, because what happens if they say, oh, okay, but what else do you What have? else do you have? Because you gotta, they want to know you yeah. can keep churning out content. Yeah. Um, or a, a, a product or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I know some people hate the word content. So, um, 
I'm so, not offended. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I've offended Todd. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, so let's kind of start with some of your earlier uh, works, and we kind of talk about break those down where they came from, okay. and things like that. So let's start with your first two shorts, or uh, two of your shorts, uh, Two Brothers yeah. and The Fog Lady. Yes. Uh, so if you want to just start with one, and kind of just talk about what was the where did the concept for those come from and what was how did you get them how did you get them made well that came at a time when i decided to reevaluate my mm-hmm. life and i went back to film school mm. went to los angeles film school and um and those were actually projects that i did okay uh in in school okay so i, I wanted to do a sort of a horror angle mm-hmm. but at that at that time i i didn't I didn't know if it was gonna if I if it was gonna be horror that mm-hmm. I was gonna be going into. I knew that I loved horror. Uh, there was a thing in film school where people were a little snobby about people who do horror movies, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I didn't sort of embrace it as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did want to do something to show my well my passion, which right. was uh, that ended up being the Fog Lady. Okay, gotcha. And uh, where? How about two brothers? Where did the concept from that come uh, from? Two brothers, the concept, sort of based on a true story, of my own experience with mm-hmm. my older brother, okay. who was at eighteen. He was diagnosed uh, with schizophrenia. Absolutely. And uh, and I wanted to, I wanted to do something to bring awareness about it, to get people's attention, and then going back to my, you know, with uh, being controversial, mm-hmm. trying to get you know people to to wake up and, and hear and see and, right. and 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 listen. And I wanted to create something that that would happen with that and and that's where two brothers came about and uh i was successful with that and it, it's gotten a lot of uh a lot of attention oh that's great um now you also your neck one of your other films was scary larry yeah um which i love the name because it's just it, to me it's like it's that horror film you see on the shelf i kind of have to rent that <laughs> like it's just it just has this name like who's scary larry yeah where what what inspired that film well, that is exactly after I got out of film school, you know, and talking with a lot of people who graduated uh, with me and mm-hmm. how difficult it was to get your foot in the door. Not at all like they try to tell you when they want to get you in film school or take your money. Right. But it is very difficult to just jump out of film school and get a directing gig. No. Yeah. Shocking, right? <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> it's hard to get a job after school. Yeah. You know, that summer blockbuster, you're going to have to put on the back burner. Um <laughs> I mean, you weren't offered Transformers, right, when you got out of school? No, no, I heard I was in the running. (laughs) (laughs) I would have loved. The school told me that. (laughs) I would have loved to see Transformers directed by Todd Nunez. Yeah, that would have been fantastic. Yeah. Well, (laughs) we'll see. But what happened? What happened with Scary Larry was what I had been feeling, what I had been accumulating within me about going back to doing what I had been doing and not feeling like, oh, I missed out because, mm-hmm. you know, if I'd only been born, you know, 10 years later, you know, whatever, right. I would have hit that mark. Instead of feeling like that, going, well, we could do it now. Right. We could do it now. We could get a little bit of money together. We can get some friends together and we can make this movie. Right. And we put the certain elements all together, like the name, Scary Larry. You know, I sat around thinking of well, what could I, what kind of name can we have that's just catchy. Right. That, and then sort of built a movie around that. So you took the name and then just took built the it. Oh, that's awesome. So what was, you know, how did, what was your process with that? So once you got the name, what was your next step The killer. Okay, because then it's like once they see the name, mm-hmm. you got to show them the killer because that's the other selling point. We mm-hmm. don't have a celebrity. Right. We right, don't right. have anything like that going on. So we have to create something that's going to capture people's attention. Absolutely. So you talked about, you know, the, creating the killer first. What do you feel makes 
a good horror film killer. Well, I mean, it, it's always great. I, I I'm a big fan of the mask. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it it cannot stop there. Like mm-hmm. you, I've seen like great mask, and then it just the, the movie doesn't deliver because mm-hmm. the the killer doesn't have a great uh, backstory, right? Or even sort of that that hint of of sympathy. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important because I think it creeps people out when they identify right with somebody like that. Absolutely. And it makes the it makes your villain a little bit more real because more we're tangible. dealing with something very campy and very mm-hmm. over the top. Right. I mean, one of my favorite. And I think I told Ashley this and Michael this when we recorded with Ashley. One of my favorite horror films is The Strangers, yeah. because it was one of those movies like this could happen to yeah. you, and like that's one of the things I love. It was tangible. It was something yeah. you could literally like. I could hear someone walking in my house, yeah, right. and like just standing behind me. You know. Um, so uh, with Scary Larry. Uh, you, you you have the idea. You've you've created the killer. Uh, you, how long did it take you to write the script? You know, it didn't take me that long to write the script. And I mean, we probably will never see Scary Larry. <laughs> never make the light of day. Um, but it was it was just to be sort of a stepping stone, mm-hmm. kind of a fun. Let's just we'll kill a bunch of people. Right. We'll we'll give a little backstory. We'll set it out in the woods and we'll go and we'll just do this damn thing mm-hmm. and get it out there so that we can move on and do something right else. Nice. Um now that was your first collaboration with your sister, actually. Yes. Yes. Um what, you know, was it natural to reach out to her to be like, "Hey, I yes. want you in this?" Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I mean, I don't think it was ever really a question of whether mm-hmm. or not she would be in it. Mm-hmm. It was like if I was doing a horror movie, then I definitely <laughs> would have her in it. She was in The Fog Lady. She mm-hmm. was in the movies I did when I was younger and right. she was little. <laughs> I, I did have to. I don't know if she told you that I had to fire her when she was like three or four. Oh, heartbreaking. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Tragic. It was, it was, it was, you know, I had to, to fire her. That's going to be off. in the behind the music of Ashley Mary Nunez yeah. when her brother had to fire her. And yes. the, the heartache <laughs> and how she took that along with her through life. But yeah. I kind of want to imagine like it's Todd right now what are you doing we have to take that into account right we've done 17 takes and you're just not getting it yeah yeah she was she wasn't feeling it i wasn't i wasn't getting from her what i needed and uh and my other younger brother was uh they were always in competition her and my other my other brother and i kept saying if you don't do this right then he's gonna oh you but you you put them against each other of course of course (laughs) it it works the the great big brother tactic yeah i love it um you know what was it like uh you know working with her on set what was the you know how did you guys communicate was it easy to separate like we're brother and sister when you know we're offset on set we're director and actress you know how was that like for you guys i I think it's exactly like that Mm -hmm. and that just is something that just sort of happens Mm -hmm. uh she knows what's on my shoulders right and she wants me to, to get the most out of the day and out of the scene or, mm-hmm. uh, because when you're dealing with independent movies and, and you don't have very much money, you got to right. work really fast. Right. So there is a, a, a respect. Good. And I think that's, I mean, I think that's one of the most, you know, we've talked several times about partnerships and collaborations on this podcast where, you know, one of the biggest things that comes up a lot is respect and trust yeah. in that person, whether they're, you know, they're family or just friends. Yeah. Um, that's one of the biggest things that you have to have is that respect for each other so that you can separate that personal yes. from business yes. when it, when it comes down to separating them. Um, you know what? When you were on set, what was the set like? What was it like directing this? Especially being your first like big film. Uh, you know what was it? What was that like for you? Uh, well, definitely one. I, I learned 
a lot from working on Scary Larry that mm -hmm. really helped me move over. Like uh, Scary Larry was not the easiest production to do, and you would think that it would without as much pressure on it. Mm -hmm. But the easiest film to do was the one that followed that. Right. So clearly, uh, Ashley and I both learned a few things, mm -hmm. and um, and it was the next movie was so smooth. It was a lot easier. It was a lot easier, and I think that it has a, a lot to do with making sure that that you come onto the set as a director, mm -hmm. um, knowing exactly what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Knowing exactly that your vision is there, being able to explain that to everybody, mm -hmm. and then immediately people aren't trying to take over. Right, absolutely. So you've, you've set the leadership role. Yeah. Also, you come in, I know what I'm doing, I know what I want, so that there's no hole for someone to kind of crawl yes, in. Yes, exactly. You, you don't want that. Once mm -hmm. that happens, uh, it, it's it all over. falls apart. So uh, I'm going to ask this question again in a way. Um, you know, if you uh, could go back to, you know, if or, you know, Todd, right after making uh, Scary Larry, could go back to Todd right before making Scary Larry, what advice would you give yourself for making your first kind of film outside of school? Uh, I would say to be concerned about who you get in bed with. Mm-hmm when you're getting into a, a, a project that's gonna take so much of your time and your energy, mm -hmm. and, and you know that you're going to fall in love with it because mm -hmm. that's what you should do if you're a director and you're, you're doing a movie, right. um, that the people who are just as equal as you have to be falling in love with it too. Right. Because for me, there's nothing more important than the movie at that point. Mm -hmm. I'm not concerned about other people's drama or anything like that i'm concerned about the movie and mm -hmm. getting it done and getting on to the next process and completing it because it's it it has to all be completed for you to feel that sense of accomplishment right absolutely what um what was the time between scary larry and all through the house there wasn't much time at all because uh after we, we spent a lot of time fighting for scary larry okay a lot of time fighting for scary larry mm -hmm. um it was done filming and it was the finish line was right there. It's like I had a movie, you know, it was mm -hmm. uh, it was very, very difficult. But, you know, when other people start seeing that, oh, you actually have this. Right. I'm a part of it. Mm -hmm. Then. So how much I, am I going to get out of this? Right. You know, and it even got down to the point where I was ready to give it all away as long as it just got produced. Right. Just just put it out there and do everything. But uh, um, after we, we spent a lot of time fighting for it, I, it was time to let it go. Mm hmm. And then I was a man without a movie. <laughs> Ooh, that's such a great man without a movie. Yeah. Sounds like a Johnny Cash song. Yeah. Um, what was what was the budget for Scary Larry? Do you the remember? The budget for Scary Larry was there a budget? is insane. <laughs> yeah, you can say there's no budget. It was $7,000. Okay. Was that, was that your own money? Or it was, was the it? money that, that we raised. Oh, great. The people, we had different people in different aspects of the production, and mm -hmm. we all wanted to do a movie and have something. Right. And so we, we were all sort of considered 50-50, which is a bad idea. Okay, I'm just telling you right now. If you're making a movie with some people, no, 50-50 is not a good idea. If only, listeners, if you could only see his face when he said that. It was just like, by the way, that's a really bad idea, guys. Yeah, so that would be one of the things that I would tell myself. Mm -hmm. At least 51, okay? I'm writing the script. I'm, I'm doing all the work. You know, but yeah. you know, I just wanted to make a movie. I think that's the hard, one of the hardest things in collaborating is differentiating the the percentage based on what you do. Yeah. So, you know, there where it's because both sides have to understand yes. and have empathy for what the other person's in perspective for what the person's doing. So if you're writing, directing, producing, and also cameraman, you know, and the other person is sound editor and 
you know, PA. Yeah. And it's kind of like, okay, there's going to be a different percentage. But I'm doing a lot of stuff too, and I've been here since the beginning. But yeah, but you're not you're doing everything I'm doing. Yeah. You know, and I think that, again, when you're picking a partner or picking someone to work with, you need someone that can understand that and lets that ego down and goes, yeah. you know what? You're right. You are doing, you know, a whole map of other things than I'm doing. Um, you definitely deserve, you know, the 51% or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's really important. And I think that that really comes down to if I had to do uh, Scary Larry again or, or start over, is, is really coming together with that in the beginning. You know, mm -hmm. if you have everything written down and you have an understanding with everybody and it's not just everybody gets 50%, let's go make a movie and you guys are rushing off and doing all the fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All that <laughs> stuff is going to come back to haunt you, right. you know, because then everybody has a different idea mm -hmm. of uh, who should get what or who has what power or who can say, yeah, we need another kill scene here without everything blowing up, mm -hmm. you know, um, then I think that the experience would have been different. Right. Would have been a better experience. Absolutely. So, so you, you you've done Scary Larry. You've gotten through all the mess that that kind of happened after that. Um, was was the play you had with the Drain Santa the inspiration for all through the house, or was it something else? Um, well, there was a, there's I guess if you say uh, two different inspirations and the the play with the uh, Santa in, in school, I, I knew that there was a power there with this mm -hmm. concept of a killer Santa because of what happened at the school and everything everybody freaking out and then right. everybody having fun. And it was, uh, uh, there, there was something there that I really wanted to capitalize on. Right. And I knew that the, the Christmas horror boom was coming, mm -hmm. that there was going to, it was going to be exploding. And I, I really wanted to make sure just like I knew the clowns were going to make a, another big comeback and be another big deal. And mm -hmm. I wanted to sort of get there, uh, right in the beginning of it. Was this around the time that like the movies like uh, the e the evil version, the Jack Frost movie was coming out? Was this around that time also, or was this before after those? Uh, this was uh, it was probably around that time. around that time. It okay, was around that time. So I know there was a time where a lot of like dark Christmas yes. movies were yes. coming out. Yes, and it wasn't just the Santa. Like I said, mm -hmm. it was the I think it was snowman. The reindeer. There was yeah. a gingerbread man. There was all, all of that. The evil snowman that yeah, used yeah. a carrot to kill someone or an icicle yes. to kill people. Um, there's a there's a great podcast on this new about how this get made, and they did Jack Frost, but the Michael Keaton family movie okay. Jack Frost, and several members of the audience watched the wrong movie, and I think even one of the people on the on their show accidentally watched the wrong movie oh. and watched the horror version and had to like last minute watch the one they were doing. Uh, so That's it, there's two Jack Frosts for everyone out there if you want to see a horror. They're film, both kind of creepy the right though. One. They are both. One's about a <laughs> one's about a guy who comes back as a snowman and basically stalks his family. Yeah. So that's pretty be best way to put it. What do you feel the major difference in the process? What do you think there was in the sense of major difference in the process between Scary Larry and All Through the House? Well, it was very it was very clear from the get go that I would be the writer. I would be the director. Um, I, I'm not the producer, so I'm not the one. I'm not the magic guy, you know, mm -hmm. with the, the final word. But I'm the final word when it comes to the set. Right. And it's not like you go on set and you're like, I'm the guy with the final word because nobody wants that. Okay. You just, you want to go on set and make it fun. Right. You want to give people the steal to hear a voice. Right. It's just the simple fact of just people knowing where everything falls into place. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Scary Larry, there, it was, it was chaos. Nobody knew where everything fell into place. Right. With all through the house, we all knew nobody tried to challenge me. It wasn't, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't have to pull power or pull rank or anything like that. Mm -hmm. We had a blast. Mm-hmm. 
it was it was we worked really long hours. I'm not gonna say that I wasn't. It wasn't hard work. Right. It was hard work because we were on a budget and mm-hmm. time is money, and we had to get all these. We had fight scenes and chase scenes and 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 complicated death scenes <laughs> and all this stuff, and mm-hmm. we had seconds and only hours to do certain scenes. Right. 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 But it was a blast, and everybody got along, and everybody contributed, and everybody had a voice when they, they needed to have a voice, mm-hmm. and it just flew by. And right. it was that's how you do a movie. Right. <laughs> so, uh, who was who the Reedman company? How did you meet the them? Redman company? Red, I was like, it's either Reedman or Redman. I'm going to go with Reedman. I was wrong. Uh, how did you meet them? Where, how did they come uh, on board? I met, I met Steve Redman, mm-hmm. and. Um, and I met him through a friend of mine that went to Los Angeles Film School. Mm-hmm. And he was very impressed that we were doing this uh, Scary Larry movie with no money. Um, we had talked and we were talking about horror movies. He didn't know a lot about slasher movies. Mm-hmm. But when he was talking to me, I was explaining everything to him because <laughs> he was very interested in possibly doing uh, his own horror movie. Mm-hmm. And he really wanted to see Scary Larry. And he, he really was impressed with what we did with $7,000 and uh, basically a weekend. Right. You know? And we had a story. Mm-hmm. It was, we had a clear, you know, uh, act mm-hmm. that followed in a, a nice, horrifying resolution. Right. Um, so he was interested in helping us get Scary Larry done. But because of all the uh, drama that was attached to it, mm-hmm. we eventually had to let it go. And he asked me and he said, do you want to continue fighting for this movie? Or do you want to do your own? I want to do my own movie. <laughs> you know, it's just like that. It's like, yeah, I just thought I could do my own movie and be away from all of that and start it <laughs> off in the right way and the right process. Right. It was a no brainer. And it just, I clicked gears immediately mm-hmm. and chalked that up to a learning experience. And, um, and we just headed right into it. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Um, so, you know, how did you build a, a crew? What was the process of, for, for you? You know, for people maybe thinking of putting together a film, what, you know, how well, did you get your crew together? Well, one of the first things that I did was that, you know, everybody that I worked that I, I worked with, including mm-hmm. in Scary Larry, that I that you have that ability to know how they work. Right. OK. I took all them with me. Nice. Okay, because uh, they knew the situation there, mm-hmm. and I knew that they deserved another opportunity at doing mm-hmm. something. So I took all of them with me, those certain ones, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and then from there we filled in the rest of the, uh, uh, the cast, a lot of it with, with horror enthusiasts, mm-hmm. uh, people who just wanted to be involved, who liked the idea, mm-hmm. and uh, we just started going. So most of the cast and crew were filled from that. Okay. And you worked with another actress, uh, Ashley Marie Noons, I believe, Something right? like that. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, what, uh, you know, again, you worked on her Scary Larry, you worked on her all through the house. What is it with, about Ashley that works in those films? Like, what is it as an actress do you see in her and appreciate about her? Well, you know, when I, when I watch, one of my favorite things about horror movies, mm-hmm. as much as I, I love Jason and Michael, um, I love the final girl. I right. love that concept. And I, I love it when there's a great final girl, when it makes sense, when mm-hmm. you feel like, like she's the one right. and, and you, you want to root for her even when there's not even any dialogue there. And she's conveying that vulnerability, mm-hmm. but yet you believe that she can conquer right. this if she just pushes a little bit harder. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Okay. And I think that my sister has that. Mm-hmm. I think that she embodies that. And yeah. I, 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 I feel like she 
it's the rightful uh, title for her. Absolutely. Nice. That's fantastic. And, I mean, obviously, she has the title Scream Queen, which is yeah. fantastic. I didn't write that question. I don't know how that question got. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody hacked our system. Yeah, maybe it was that Ashley. <laughs> that that uh, Ashley yeah. Marie uh, Nunes. Um, so you took this to the RIP Film Festival in Hollywood. Uh, yeah. You, you won best film best slasher best slasher film okay. uh, you also won best uh, editing uh, you had the audience choice award and best director yeah um, how did that feel for you like oh. when you know your name the movie's continually being announced that you won this you won this you won the best director especially like yeah. how was that was, for you? hardcore uh, uh, was I bet one best director at hardcore right, right. horror film yeah. as well um, R.I.P. There was a there was a best uh, feature mm-hmm. category, right. but when I saw best slasher, <laughs> I didn't care about that. <laughs> Did you cry? Did you cry? I, a little all bit? I wanted, I was just like, I I want best slasher. Like that's mm-hmm. all I could think about. And it was, uh, you know, there was there was a lot of great films that played there. Mm-hmm. So Ashley and I were both very nervous about all of the. You know, right. if we were going to walk away with anything. Right. You know, you don't you don't have anything to do with the judging. You know, mm-hmm. it's just a. Uh, a, a big blank until the the night comes right and the night the the night came too before we even showed our movie for the first time right so we didn't even really have the feedback of the audience uh, right and all of that but getting best slasher was just that whole night was amazing because it was mm-hmm. the first night mm-hmm. that we showed it mm-hmm. and uh and jessica cameron told me she told me before we even went there she said it's nothing's gonna ever be like right the first night you showed it and i was like well we'll see we'll see and she was absolutely right <laughs> which is often the case right <laughs> and, and yeah it was something that i i truly treasured right I, especially getting like uh, audience award also i'm sure was very uh, huge uh, great a, a huge thing was, yeah. was getting there and seeing all the people mm-hmm. that showed up to come to watch your movie on halloween night mm-hmm. and that the whole place was packed right it, it was absolutely amazing for you know, a ton of reasons. A ton of reasons. <laughs> I can't even like you know express sitting back there and seeing all those heads, all mm-hmm. those people who came out on Halloween night to watch your movie. That's fantastic. That's that's, that's awesome. Uh, you know how? I mean, what was what? Can you just kind of go through the process of submitting the film? Uh, what you had to do to get the film in the festival? Just for those maybe looking to get their films in festivals. Yeah. Well, um, it it all depends. I mean, there's a right time. Mm-hmm. To start submitting your film. I mean, there are horror conventions that are going on all the time. Right. If you want to hit the big ones, they're, they're Halloween times. So right. Film should be done by then. Right. Um, we didn't really uh, plan everything to coincide with that. Mm-hmm. So we were getting in films to hit the Halloween festivals at the kind of the last minute. Right. R.I.P. was one of the, you know, a last minute mm-hmm. try for us. Right. Um, but it, it should be something that you think of. If you're making a horror movie, right ahead of time, yeah, to try Absolutely. to get everything together before October, right? What's the acceptance process? I mean, because I know we had another director on, Josh Otter, who talked about getting into certain festivals where there was like you know a month long, month, you know, several months acceptance. You know, he'd hear one thing, and then it'd be two weeks or three weeks, and then he'd hear, oh, you made it to this round, then it'd be another four, you know, four yeah. weeks, and then you'd find out, oh, you're the final ten. Um, was it a long, drawn out process for the RIP? Not festival? for not for the RIP festival because, like I said, we we were entering it. We were trying to get something in for October mm-hmm. uh, to be in one of the festivals. Right. Uh, we thought that that was important. That would help with publicity. And so, in RIP, we just sort of we entered it and we're 
hoping for the best. And we actually got contacted back rather quickly mm-hmm. because it was at the end of their their acceptance. Okay. But other other festivals all are completely different. It is just a waiting game. It's some mm-hmm. festivals are, are different. They want movies that have semi celebrities in them. <laughs> uh it, it, it just depends. Right. It just depends. And then for some people, I'm beginning to figure out, you know, it's who you know. <laughs> it, so and that it, is it very does true. That's the Hollywood way. Mm-hmm. That is very true. Let's move. So you go into Death Ward 13. Um, what, you know, how, how important was Don't Look in the Basement for you as a kid? Was that a very pop? Was it a film you loved as a kid? Uh, it, it was a film that I loved as a kid. It was a right around the time of the first horror movies that I had. I had ever seen Mm -hmm. and it was really one of it was the first horror movie that I saw with a twist Mm. at the end where as a kid you know you you were totally buying everything you're not I'm not thinking there's going to be any kind of twist or nothing this is the story this is what I'm watching and then there's that twist and it just rocked my world it just just blew you away it blew me away nice and and so what kind of when did you go, I want to make that a version of that? Or how did that inspire Don't, Death War 13? Well, it was a while back because I, when I was doing horror plays, mm-hmm. I thought that Don't Look in the Basement would be a great play to mm-hmm. do. It's all in one location. And so I, I, I started uh, uh, writing it. The only reason why I didn't do it is at the time, it, it didn't have the kind of impact that I was looking for. I was right. looking to get students excited about drama. Right. Okay. And so you're changing people from, you know, everything is doing Shakespeare and mm-hmm. my town and all that mm-hmm. to doing what I was doing. I really wanted to get people excited right. about that. So I ended up not doing it, but it did open my eyes to the possibility that there was a lot more going on in the story mm-hmm. that could go on in this story um, than what was, what was presented. Right. And so what do you feel when you were writing it? How did you want to make it different? Like your version different from the, you know, from Don't Look in the Basement. How did you want to different? Well, when you start thinking about doing a remake, Mm -hmm. it's like you can't just sit there and everything. I mean, some people might appreciate that and they might want to see what it would look like today if it was the same story. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that that's not what I wanted to do. Right. I wanted to take the concept and keep a similarity going that people can feel you know, a connection to it that are fans of the original, mm-hmm. but also giving a different sort of take on it, mm-hmm. a different little adventure. Mm-hmm. And when I started thinking about that and I realized that, well, you can't. And I think one of the reasons why it hasn't been remade is because if you know the twist and everybody knows the twist, mm-hmm. then you're watching a movie just sitting around waiting for the twist to happen. Right. And there's nothing there. And so that was the first thing I needed to, to tackle. And once I figured that out, that mm-hmm. the, the twist had to be sooner, right? much, much sooner. Bring that twist in sooner, and now that opens up to a whole different, all kinds of craziness that right. can, can go on. Right. We, now, we're, uh, where are you guys right now in the process of well, Death War 13? Right now in the process, we're, we're at just a, a little bit of a bump because we had a schedule change from one of mm-hmm. our main actors. And it's mm-hmm. not anything that, I mean, it's definitely we were warned about, you right. know. But when that kind of happens and, you're, and you've, you've gotten all your locations and you've gotten, you're working on getting some other name talent attached to it and right. then you, you, that happens to you, right. it, it's sort of thrown everything out of flux. And we're trying to not want to wait longer to do it. 
we want to work out people's schedules mm-hmm. and the location schedule so that we can we can do it sooner. Mm-hmm. But it was a curveball. Right. Um, not the fault of anybody, mm-hmm. but it's just something that you have to do with when you're in Hollywood. And if it was just me and my friends doing it, it would be different. But now that we're taking that step up, which mm-hmm. is the whole idea is to keep taking that step up. And every time you take that step up, you're inviting new challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is just a, ta- a challenge. Absolutely. Now, this is your third collaboration with Ashley. Yes. Well, I mean, not third, but third big. Kind yeah. of, you've done several things, obviously, with her. Um, how, you know, we kind of talked about working with her, but how do you feel, has your relationship between each other changed through working with each other? Do you feel you, know, you guys are I closer or do you think it's the same? I don't think so. I think that Ashley and I, we've, I, I'm close to all my family. Mm-hmm. I have two other brothers that I'm really close with too. But Ashley's my baby sister. Right. So Ashley's relationship with my brother Trevor and Shane and mm-hmm. me, you know, it's like she's the baby sister. Right. So I don't think it's changed. I think I would always be close with my sister, mm-hmm. regardless if we were doing movies right. or not. Right. Okay, great. Um, now, the Misfits guitarist, Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein, yeah. is the uh, antagonist in Death yes. War 13. How, how, what was the process on getting him on board? Uh, well, the pro- well, Steve Redman, mm-hmm. um, the man with all the connections, you know, you got to be connected, <laughs> I said. So, yeah, he had definitely had a connection to him, and he read the script, and, and he, he brought it up just very calmly and just, well, what do you think about Doyle from the Misfits for, for the Duke? <laughs> you know, and I almost jumped, you know, right. up into the air screaming and yelling. Uh, yeah, it was, it was very exciting because I had no idea that that was a connection he even had or the right. fact that, you know, the, just the possibilities just kept flooding at me. Right. You know, of Doyle being my big bad guy. Right. I had to do some tweaking and some rewriting, but not a problem. Um, it's kind of going to kind of wrapping up a little bit. Um, between, like, let's say, you know, Scary Larry and, you know, Death War 13, how do you feel you've evolved as a director? Um I, I feel like I've evolved a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that at one point with Scary Larry, you know, you have to, I had to come on the set, and it's like you have that in the back of your head, just never let him see you sweat. Right. And I, I always knew that, and I was always very good at that. Mm-hmm. And even if I didn't know if a, a curveball came at me, right. I always acted like I knew. Right. And there's a process that happens between playing that kind of part mm-hmm. And then suddenly you're you're on set and you're not really playing it anymore. Mm-hmm. You're not really having to think about it. You're coming on and you're you're just doing it. Right. So um, I've noticed that about myself. That's awesome. Um, how about as a writer? Have you know? How have you seen yourself evolve as a writer? Yeah, writing. I I think that I have evolved a lot more, especially when you see Death War Thirteen. Mm-hmm. And um, whereas doing all through the house because it was a, a low budget movie. Um, you want to sort of play off that campiness because it's it's far more forgiving when you're doing something that's low budget. Like right. People won't be as on you about certain things mm-hmm. that don't sort of play off as well. Right. But with Death War 13, it's a whole different ball game. It's, mm-hmm. There's more money involved. There's bigger stars involved. And so the script has to be much more on par. Right. And so it's really about, in these movies, it's about the characters. Mm-hmm. And that was one of, I think, the things that I have evolved a lot since All Through the House to Death War 13. Right. Is that a lot of, you know, I can write a scary scene. I can write a gory scene. Mm. I can write something that's going to make people, you know, go, and I'm not afraid to go there with it. Right. But feeling in the blanks of that with characters that people care about. Right. And that are interested in, at the very least. Right. Um, changes everything. Right. It changes everything. Nice. Um, so just kind of uh, some general 
questions. Do you have any advice for someone who is not living in L.A. yet, but maybe about to move here or thinking about moving here? Any advice for surviving L.A.? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Don't. (laughs) (laughs) Stay away. Stay away. Now, that's what I will always say to somebody, because Mm -hmm. if you tell them to stay away and they don't, Mm -hmm. then okay, then this is what it's meant for them. People told me to stay away. Mm -hmm. People said no to me, but I'm here, and now I'm finally doing finally doing my dream. It was not easy. And it, it, it's this is not a business for people to get into because they think it's going to be fun. Right. It has to be. This has to be your calling. Right. Absolutely. This has to be what you're meant to do. You cannot do anything else. And I always said, even when I was uh, in high school, that I don't want to be an old man rocking in a rocking chair and saying, I did not try my hardest. Mm-hmm. You know, if you try, if you are good with the fact that you've tried your hardest and mm-hmm. you can't do it, then then OK. But I still think there's room and I'm still going. Any real quick, advi- just final advice for writers or directors out there in general? Um, I, I would say one of my, my biggest pieces of advice, and it has worked very well with me, mm-hmm. is to always have a plan B that you are in love with. Mm-hmm. So I spend as much time planning my plan B as I'm, I do my plan A. Right. Because more often than not, I'm always going to plan B. Mm-hmm. I learned that on Scary Larry. And so with all through the house, I had I had my plan A and plan B. Mm-hmm. Literally, plan A was this page and plan B was right behind it. Right. And I gave it just as much of as attention. And that saved us so much time. Absolutely. So much time. Um, so we do have a question from Twitter, I believe, uh, from at the girls got curls, uh, a.k.a. Cameron oh, I Stark. It. I love it. Uh, what advice would you give to someone looking to start somewhere new without support? Uh, without support. That's a hard one because I I had support mm-hmm. coming in here. But I, I would say that depending on – I mean, I guess age doesn't really matter because I've seen all different uh, age groups going to school. Mm-hmm. But going to, to school, Los Angeles Community College is amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay? They have such great classes. They have great teachers. And it's a support group that you need that, that's the most reliable thing for you when you first come to L.A. Mm. A support group of friends, of people who have the same sort of goals that you do and working together and not having the feeling of being alone. Right. Absolutely. Because Hollywood is very lonely, and I think that's really what you need to make sure you don't suffer from. Right. And having a group of people, I know groups of people who have gone very, very far mm-hmm. with their connections and their trust. Right. Um, where can people find some of your stuff to watch? Uh, well, you can watch all through the house right now mm. on uh, all uh, Amazon, <laughs> iTunes. It's, it's all over there. All the place. Yeah, you can buy the DVD or Blu-ray. Uh, you can see Two Brothers on YouTube. Nice. And, uh, and we have a lot of uh, more information and uh, – Special things coming on soon. Fantastic. Death War 13. Uh, where, can you, where can people find you uh, to follow kind of what you're doing? Uh, I'm process? on Facebook uh, at Todd Nunes. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can get more information with uh, following us on Facebook at All Through the House mm-hmm. and Death War 13. Because Absolutely. we are going to have some surprises that are going to be popping up soon. Fantastic. And those people are going to be the first to know. Oh, so there you go. Nice. I, I, other than you guys. I'll, I'll let you know first. <laughs> we'll see who, who gets there first. So uh, one <laughs> thing, we usually do this after the second episode. But since we're doing something special for the second episode i thought we'll just attach it here um i'm sure you're, you're old enough to remember myspace yes the place you go to when you're yes. bored to have your computer run slower when people would have music and animations in their background and 
top six or eight was the most important thing in your life. Yeah. Um, also on MySpace were boring, non-consequential questions <laughs> that had nothing to do with your life. Yeah. Now, usually I ask the guests to give me six uh, numbers before we start. I did not do that this time. That is my fault. So we'll just go each number at a time. I have a MySpace quiz okay. from MySpace with okay. 167 questions on it. Okay. We're going to ask we're going to ask you every single okay. question. <laughs> Everybody get ready. It's going to be a long night. Um, no, I'm, I'm going to ask you to pick uh, one at a time six numbers okay. between 1 and 167, and I will ask you that question okay. uh, just so people get a, more insight into Todd Nunes. Okay, so what cool. is the first number, Todd Nunes? 30. 30. The 30th question is, who was your first best friend? My first best friend. Uh, and my, for all those childhood friends listening, who was it, Todd? <laughs> my first real best friend was a friend uh, whose name was Ben Smith. Mm. Oh, nice. Uh, insanely talented mm-hmm. individual. Nice. I don't know why he's not famous right now. He should be. <laughs> he should be. Yeah. Uh, next number. Uh, 40. 40. Oh, we're going by 10s here. Yeah. Uh, are you sensitive or are you loud? Uh, I'm a, I can be a little bit of both. <laughs> it, it depends on what the conversation is about. If it's about horror. Um, I'm loud, <laughs> but I'm very sensitive to people mm-hmm. in general. Like I do not, cannot watch people getting hurt. Mm-hmm. I mean, like real people, like right. you would never know that considering I do horror movies <laughs> and everything like that. But seeing anybody get hurt, push, hit, like when people push fight scenes on YouTube, it just mm-hmm. makes my stomach sick. Absolutely. Next number. Next number. Uh, 50. 50. Have you ever fallen for a friend? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I have next. very strong code when it comes to friends. <laughs> next number. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. What would it be? 60? Yeah, sure. Um, ha- have you ever been in love with someone you couldn't be with? Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> so let's skip to the hundreds. Yes. Let's okay. go. So what is that? Four that we've yeah. done? Okay. So like, let's do the last two. Let's do in the hundreds. So uh, pick a number between 100 and 167. Uh, 160. All right. Well, it's going to take a second. This one's second. There we go. Uh, have you ever ridden in a helicopter? I haven't in my dreams, but that's about it. <laughs> and your final number for the MySpace quiz? 111. 111. And that question is, do you watch the news? Yes. Ta-da! The MySpace quiz, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Todd, thank you so much yes, for being here and you. talking to me. Blast. It's been so great getting to know you and learning about your process and about your love for the horror films and about doing the Friday the 13th plays. That's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I, I know you're going to hang around. We're going to have Ashley Absolutely. on in part two for something very special, which you guys are going to find out. But again, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This is a blast. And back to you, Michael and Daniel in the studio. Welcome back. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, it was so much fun and so kind of Todd to invite us to his place to sit down and chat. Um, it was He was just so giving of his time and so giving of information, and he really just has a knack and knows his stuff. And uh, It was so much fun. I could have talked to him for another hour and a half, but we needed to move on to something else. And so truly hope to have him back again just to go into more depth about things. Um, Wanted to kind of just talk about a few things that came up during the interview. Um, One of the things that he mentioned was that he got a job at a tanning salon where he just had to kind of buzz people in, uh, take reservations, and most of them he could just write. And I thought, that's so great. What a smart idea to get a job where you can continue doing what you love on the side uh, without it impeding your love and your dream. And, 
you know, and he also talked, you know, he's just writing, just writing and writing and writing. And, and I think that's really important if, depending on what you want to do, if you want to write, if you want to direct, just do it, do it, do it, do it. You know, you, you hear a lot of these directors talk about when they were younger, they got a camera, they got some friends together and they just made stuff. They didn't overthink it. They just made stuff. Uh, we just which I recently just watched the Spielberg documentary on HBO and that's what he did. He just got a camera. He cast his mom and his sisters and his friends and would just make stuff, you know. Um, and that's something I think I'm, we're seeing a lot with a lot of these directors is just doing it. So uh, same with writing. Just write. Write something. Even if it's bad, write it. Get it on paper. Get it down. And then move on to something else. Cause things grow. Things you know, evolve and you can become a better writer. You start learning more stuff about yourself and your style and what you like and don't like. Um, you learn about the craft better and you learn how to become more natural in your writing, uh, which is really important. So just write, just edit, just, just get, get out there, just put it out there and do it. That's so important. Um, so I really appreciate him bringing that up. Um, another thing he brought up, which we've talked about a little bit, I think, on here, where he talks about like you know the crew he used for Scary Larry and how everybody was very loyal and they were willing to work on something else. If you treat people right and do right by them, more than more than less, they will always be there for you. People, artists, just want to make stuff, and if you can build that from the beginning in your film class or theater class, just you know, start making friends, making connections there. And that way you call them up and go, hey, I need this. Can you do this for me? I will take you anywhere else I go where I can pay you after this. You know, stay loyal. If somebody works with you and they work great with you, bring them on to the next project. It's a no-brainer because they already know how to work with you. Quentin Tarantino has worked with the same cinematographer for years because they know each other. He knows Quentin's shorthand and he knows his and they just know what they want. Um, so that's so important. Loyalty is important, and that's something that sometimes lacks here in LA is loyalty. You know, if you are there for someone, they'll be there for you more times than not, and that's just that's just a part of life. So build that connection, build that strong group that you can continually count on to work with and do good work. Um, you know, we we talked to Josh Otter, the director, uh, a while back, that he talked about how you know he got to know people on set and asked them what they really wanted to do, not what they were doing at that moment, and found like his casting director that way because she wanted to be a casting director and he gave her that opportunity to do that. You know, she people who wanted to just get the opportunity aren't looking for money. They're looking for the opportunity. They want to put it on their resume. So first, make sure you get them on board and then make sure you complete what you're doing. It's so important. Uh, Michael and I have always had the motto, you are with us till the end. You come on board with us, you'll be on board with us until you want to leave. We will bring you anywhere with us. If one thing drops out, we don't care. If something comes back up, we'll bring you on board that too. It doesn't matter. We reward people that are there for us because we want to support their dreams as well. Um, so that's just really important, I thought, to to bring up and, and talk about. Um, Last week, uh, Michael did bring up uh, the tragedy that happened to Kel, Kel, our sound editor's family. Um, I didn't bring it up in part one because I knew Michael had more of a personal relationship with Kel and wanted to kind of bring it up, and I didn't want to say too much at that time. Um, but I did now that it's kind of out there. I did want to just say, if Kel, if you're listening, um, I, I truly feel for you and your family. 
Um, in the short time I've gotten to know you, you are such a genuine person and such a kind person to talk to. And I'm sure a lot of that was garnered from the people that around, were around you. And I'm, I'm completely including your grandmother in that because I know my, who I am. A lot of that was because of my grandparents. And, uh, and I know how hard that is, especially, but I can't imagine in this way how hard it is. Um, and I am so sorry in my heart and my wife's heart goes out to your family uh, uh, you know, I, I, I love your brother. Thank you so much for all you do for us and this podcast and the listeners. Um, we're all thinking about you. Take, you know, just be strong and know you're loved and the, that this is hard and it may feel like it's, it's something you can't get through, but we're all here for you, brother. All right. Uh, thank you. I just wanted to kind of take a moment and give out a message for him. Um, I also wanted to kind of just remind everybody, uh, Michael put down some places that you could go to uh, if you wanted to donate or help out with people that have lost their homes and uh, been affected by the fires. Uh, a GoFundMe has been created uh, uh, by uh, organizations and relief efforts that you can contribute to. Just kind of go in um, and, you know, do some searching. Santa Rosa has created a donation fund through youcaring.com. Uh, you can also donate to the Red Cross. Uh, you know, Michael even said it best. One of the best ways is just find a community that you know is affected by the fires and call around. Call some elementary, call some schools, call uh, hospitals, and just say, hey, what do you guys need? What can we send you guys? Call shelters. Call you know any place you can find online. Go to their go to their government website, Santa Rosa's government website. Uh, and they usually will probably have something on there saying what they need and where to donate. Uh, so definitely do that. If you can help out, help out. That would be fantastic. Our hearts and thoughts go out to all those affected by the fires up there. Um, it's such a terrible, unnecessary tragedy, and we are so sorry. Um, and if you've been affected at it and you're a listener of our podcast, we want to just say we're so sorry and we're thinking about you and your family. Um, if you do need anything please email us and we'll see if we can get that for you we would love to help out wherever we can uh so moving on um next week uh we have a fantastic special halloween uh hollywood hustle uh when we knew halloween was coming um and realized that Halloween was coming, it was going to be on a Tuesday, the day we release our episodes. Michael and I knew we wanted to do something special for that series. And that's when we reached out to Todd. Uh, we heard about him through Ashley, and she said he was up for coming on. Um, so we reached out to him, and luckily he was available in time. And we decided to do the second part, something really special we hadn't done before, which is a running commentary uh, with Todd and Ashley Nunez of the movie, their favorite horror film. Halloween, the original Halloween. Uh, we sat down with some mics, we put the Blu-ray on, uh, we got it set up, and we played it and talked about it, and also talked about horror throughout it. We give some fun facts that we know. Uh, Ashley and Todd just know that movie backwards and forwards. So they gave trivia throughout that was really interesting, and we kind of asked questions and just chatted. So we hope that if you have Halloween, uh, you pop it in one night, put on our audio. And just uh, push play or listen to it in the car. It's still fun to listen to. We chat, uh, even if you're not watching the movie at the time. Uh, we do give spots where we're at in certain things. We kind of set it up so you know when to push play. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we sit down with Todd and Ashley and do a running audio commentary of Halloween. So we can't wait. Please check that out on our Hollywood uh, Hustle Podcast episode next week. Uh, it's super exciting. Uh, until then, guys. Uh, follow us on uh, LA Hustlecast on Twitter, uh, Hollywood Hustle Podcast on Instagram. 
email us at hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com with your favorite scary stories or the things that scare you or moments where you've been scared that were ridiculous. Like when I was a kid, our refrigerator would pop at night and it would terrify me sometimes. Um, you know, what's your favorite horror film and why? Or what's your favorite genre? Why don't you like horror films? Like, just let us know. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, but until then, thank you again. We love you. And always remember to keep up the hustle. This episode of the Hollywood Hustle podcast was hosted by Daniel Tuttle and produced with Michael Lutheran. Kel Torados is our sound engineer, and Mike Tobias edited our website. For more information about the show, please visit our website at hollywoodhustlepodcast.com.